You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Wednesday, November 30th. 8.19 p.m., the time of this recording, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you after a one-week holiday hiatus. Um, the Wild, I feel like they've been on a holiday hiatus, too. They've had, I think, now back-to-back weeks, like a three days, mm-hmm. and then basically, if you consider a Sunday afternoon game to a Thursday night game, basically four days, like seven of the last whatever, like 18 days probably since we last recorded, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a game, so... Really, have we missed that much? No, um, but also yes, and we actually have a lot to talk about today, as we always do, um, but before we get into all that, gotta check in on everyone, had a nice holiday, Justin, we'll start with you, how you doing tonight, my friend? Hey, doing well, uh, <clears throat> been pretty busy this past couple weeks, of course, so we got the kids hockey and then the, the Thanksgiving holiday, which went really well, and uh, both kids' birthdays, birthday parties, and uh, had fun doing that, uh, watching the kids have fun with their buddies and, and bowling and stuff. So uh, just doing well and uh, ready to talk some hockey again here. And Zeke, what about you, man? Yeah, no, it was good, obviously. You know, just was uh, hanging out last week. My brother was home from college for the week, so I hung out with him, did a bunch of stuff. And uh, otherwise, other than that, uh, just pretty much been, you know, just working. But, you know, I'm excited to have two weekend games here on Saturday and Sunday early in the day days off just to watch but uh like you said it feels like it's been too long again from games and you just you just come home every day thinking oh there's a game tonight and you go oh no there's not i know just Not like lot, this week is just be like all right another day with no wild game right oh damn and to make matters no, worse my morning just gets off to a terrible start today i'm over at my girlfriend's house trying to leave before she has to go to work mm-hmm. plow came by into her driveway and oh. I got stuck in the driveway at 5.45 a.m. and spent about 35 minutes digging my car out um, in, like, joggers and a light winter jacket and driving gloves. So that was fun. That's how my day started. But hopefully now it'll end better with the podcast. We'll get it all posted, ready to go. So it'll be in your feeds by Thursday morning. Start soft, finish strong, right? Um, yeah, exactly. That Spotify thing had to put a, a, yeah. a, a up in your day a little bit. Yeah, though. that helped too. Uh, we got our Spotify wrapped. Uh, lots of information on there for for us about just how many of you have tuned in this year and and supported the show. So again, big thank you to those you know those on Spotify and those elsewhere as well um, for supporting the show and for those of us that have uh, for those of you that have tagged us today in your post too. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw those so. Um, yeah, always fun this time of year to see Spotify raps of everyone of what they're listening to music wise, podcast wise. I'm always entertained um, by that. So um, we got a lot to talk about wild wise today, Justin. It's it's been you know a pretty active in a good way yeah. past week or two for the prospects here. So we'll uh, we'll kick it to you to dive into uh, some of that. Yeah, I'll kind of go over uh, probably about the past week and a half or so it's it's been really good our um our russian prospects kind of went through a little bit of a lull where we didn't hear a lot about them but they've been going off lately i'll start with Marat, who is nadinov who put up five points in three games and then had three more points yesterday so has uh eight points in his past four games ended up being our prospect of the week this past week just really playing first line Secondly, yes, I I believe he's he's kind of bounced around a bunch, but I feel like yeah. he's been for a second line lately. Hmm, imagine and, that you uh, put Rad Huzadinov in a scoring yeah. position, and look what happens. Here come the points. Yeah, he he's like a a regular old Ecker or Parisi. Just seems like a lot of his goals come from right around the crease there. Uh, both his goals yesterday were right there. So, uh, 
hey, maybe he turns out better than we even think. I mean, I think he's going to be good, but he's starting to really go off on those top lines, which is good to see. And then uh, Danila Yirov, he had three points in two games in the MHL, and then they called him up to the KHL and scored a goal yesterday uh, in their 4-1 to win. So it was good to see him uh, get, a, get a point on the board. And then Liam Ugrin also scored a goal yesterday. It was just a really good really good day yesterday to cover. Um, Caden Bankier, four goals in the last three games. He's really going off <laughs> this year playing in mostly first-line role. He's in the second line today, but um, it's really good to see him. And, like, Kyle Masters really taking off for that that uh, Kamloops team. And speaking of Kyle Masters, he had three assists in the three games. So he's I – ca- I can't remember his numbers right off the top of my head, but he's already surpassed his numbers from last year. Oh, and, like has blown him out of the water. Yeah. yeah he played like, like – To, <laughs> to call yeah. this a breakout year might be an understatement. Yeah. He's uh, definitely one should be on, that should be on fans' radars. I know we've mentioned a couple times this year, but to add that offense to what is already a good defense is is just is uh, just amazing to see. He he's probably jumping over some of our other prospects this year. Yeah, and uh, like I, I think we mentioned this before, but our plan is still. Um, I think we'll maybe targeting like All Star break time to uh, regather with our friends at Soda Pod and maybe do like a risers and fallers episode of our prospect ranking. So not the full comprehensive list, but maybe take you know half hour to an hour to kind of talk about you know guys like Kyle Masters, Murat Husnadinov, um, you know maybe a guy like Hunter Hayde who hasn't had a good year. Talk about some of those guys that have moved up, come down. So. Keep that on your radars because uh, we know that the rankings episode w- was well-liked, so we'll try to do some sort of follow-up to that here pretty soon. Definitely. Another guy that's having a really good year, our sixth-round pick from the past draft, uh, Servak Petrovsky, four points last three games. I believe one of the games was a hat-trick. That's his second hat-trick of the year. So, what a um, steal. Really awesome. Uh, just <laughs> I don't know where these guys keep finding these guys that fall to us, but it's starting to be ridiculous <laughs> in a good way. Almost like you shouldn't trade your fifth rounders because you never know. Yeah, that's uh, kind of. <laughs> we were <laughs> well, talking about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> uh, Brock Faber had a couple points in the last couple games. Then Nestorenko had a, one assist in one game played, and then yesterday ended up scoring two goals. Uh, Marshall Warren also got an assist in that game. So the BC guys are uh, having a good week. Uh, speaking of Hunter Hate, he scored a goal this past week. And then. Uh, I'll kind of wrap it up talking about Iowa last weekend. They got swept by Colorado, had a pretty shitty weekend. And then uh, this weekend they're playing San Jose uh, Barracudas. Yesterday won 4-3. to three. Marco Rossi put up three points in the first period, ended up with three points. Uh, Wallstead got the win, but, you know, it, it's just good to see. This is what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want him to be pissed off that he got called down and just go off and, and bring that confidence back up to the wild. So yeah. we'll see what he does tonight. Because they're playing in about half hour yeah, from, and we will uh, we'll talk we'll talk at nauseum here about Rossi in a little bit as well, um, but yeah, it definitely was very good to see to see mm-hmm. that, especially just happen in the first period as well. So, yep. So that's uh, basically what I got right now. Um, Till yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, another another great week. You know, I think it's great to see guys like Kuzindinov, Yurov, really starting to find their footing. Over in Russia, whether that's been the KHL or the MHL, you know, getting those big minutes, you know, who's enough, you know, as of late, really surging in a, on a good team in, in the upper half of their lineup um, has to make you optimistic. You know, the points weren't always what we thought we'd get in him, but that's, you know, certainly a plus um, right. to add to that 200-foot game and, and the speed that he brings. So, very exciting. Um there was some pretty significant things that happened since we last recorded. I think we'll start, um, we alluded to this, there was a trade um, that the Minnesota Wild made, not for a uh, top six forward like they're reportedly in the market for, um, but instead for um, analytically by Evolving Hockey's model, the worst forward in the NHL, um, and that is Ryan Reeves. Um, of course, no one is is picking up Ryan Reeves because of the analytics or goal scoring, um, despite what Dean Evans says for his good hands down low. Uh, <laughs> you bring in Ryan Reeves to do one thing and one thing only, to intimidate, fight, to play physical. Um, in exchange, the Wild send away, I believe it ended up being a 2020 
five fifth round pick yeah. to New York Rangers. No salary retained on that deal. Um, since then, I believe Reeves has now played three games. I think, I think twice, two? maybe. Just yeah. two, maybe. Yeah, I think it's just two. Um, both of those games alongside Jewel Eric Sinek and Marcus <laughs> Foligno um, looked fine both games. Um, had a really good line change in Arizona um, to put Kirill Kaprizov on the ice, who then immediately <laughs> scored a goal. So um, for sure the highlight for me um, is that great line change that he made. So yeah. um, clearly by my tone of voice in my insult, I'm not a fan of Ryan Reeves. I've just hated the guy um, his whole career. I think he plays dirty. I think, you know, I don't think he brings much to like, he brings energy. Great. But you know, you look at hits like the one he threw on Ryan Suter in the playoffs a couple years ago where he like checked him into the into the crossbar. It's crap like that and it you know, it feels sort of like a Matt Cook situation, like, you know, am I happy that he's on my team now and not gonna be injuring my players? Sure. But like am I thrilled to have him otherwise? Not necessarily. And like, oh, it's to keep Felino out of the box. And then it's like, Oh yeah, you mean Marcus Felino who got in a fight and served like a whole period. In the locker room, yeah, how'd that work out? And then it's like uh, someone else was like, oh, he's here to win board battles. And then like in his first game, he lost a board battle, and then the other team scored. Um, so I was like, ah, yeah, that wasn't predictable at all. Um, anyway, <laughs> so my thoughts, I don't love it. I think for me the big question is when this team is healthy, which it looks like it essentially will be Sands, Ryan, Hartman, the next game, like who's who's coming out of the lineup? Um I don't know. So I guess well, that's just some of the things just haven't quite made sense in my mind. He's looked fine in his two games, like I said. I don't really – but it's just – it's a trade that I was very much like, ah, all right. I guess we did that. So Well, I will I will say first, I, you know, you mentioned the Everson quotes. I found that absurd because that was – you know, that's – we know Dean is not the guy who ever will uh, say anything remotely bad about any single player really. And, uh, you know, that Unless was, it's Kevin Fiala or Marco um, Rossi or Kalen Addison. You know. He's not going. Yeah, it was. I found that was hilariously absurd that he said he brings skill. Like, yeah, like I'm a little. I have a different. Like, it's like do you watch the guy skate, Dean. I mean, he's like he's like one of us out there. I mean, he's better, obviously, but you know, he looks like one of us. But everyone else is a million miles faster. But I mean, you know, I think this is just like a typical like hockey thing, like in the NHL. That's like whether or not it's real or not. The whole being huge and punching guys in the face and you know shoving guys into the boards like that's the kind of player that i guess teams still like um you know whether you hear it or not and you know i think he was probably you know i don't i don't even know if he'd call him enforced anymore because i don't really think he very much fights a ton from what i remember reading a lot but yeah i don't know i guess I mean, I, it certainly didn't thrill me. I guess I just, you know, my first reaction was just kind of like surprised because that's not a guy I'd ever thought would play for the Wild and skate around in a Wild jersey just because yeah. of the, the St. Louis history and everything. But so I guess that was my main reaction, just kind of surprised that, you know, that was on the radar even. But I mean, you know, I guess I'm a little bit different from you, Brett, in that I'm not, I guess I'm just, you know, kind of open to it, whatever, uh, fifth round pick. But yeah, no, it, it was just kind of, it was kind of confusing that, you know, I mean, there's other ways to be bigger if you want to be bigger, but you know, I guess, I, I don't know. My thing is, I just thought we'll see, uh, how he, how he is here, but yeah, no, there's not, I don't know. There's not much else for me. Really. <laughs> I think my, my initial reaction when I posted was, I hope we didn't give up any more than an eighth round pick, which is funny because there's only seven rounds in the NHL draft. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, when we've drafted guys like Kaprizov and David Spacek, Pavel Novak there, it's you, you never know what these prospects are going to turn out to, to be, but it was hard to see that go for Ryan Reeves. Like, uh, we'll, we'll see how it turns out, but... Um, wasn't a huge fan of the train. Never really liked liked him. Never liked facing him. Uh, we'll see where it goes because I've had friends that are Blues fans that are like, "Oh, you'll you'll see like why you like him on your team, why you like him on your side." I mean, I can I can see it in the interviews and like maybe the energy stuff in the locker room, and maybe he makes the team play a little bit bigger than they are. But at, at the same time, he's gonna. I mean, where is he going to go? Like you said, when when everyone's healthy, it's just it's hard to imagine him sticking in the lineup 
like nightly. So uh, maybe they use him for some of these other heavier teams that they play. But uh, I guess we'll kind of see where it goes. Well, I would I, I would say the one thing. Sorry, but, but uh, no, you're good. The one thing I would say, you know, about the draft picks is, yeah, it sucks to just toss away draft picks. But I think you know when we have fifth round pick turn into one of the five best players in the league maybe we kind of sometimes you know maybe not overvalue but kind Mm -hmm. of i don't know i'm guilty of this too of you know sometimes in a way hoarding your picks prospects that you know the odds that that fifth round pick will turn into probably even an intro player are minuscule now you could say the odds that ryan reeves will have the impact of even an ahl player are minuscule and notice how i said ahl not (laughs) nhl but you know, so I guess that's my only thing is I'm just not too concerned about the giving up a fifth round pick here when it's probably wash. But I mean, like you said, it's not the uh, you know it's I don't know, I just don't think it's that huge of a deal. But well, like I said, we'll see how he plays and if he you know if he can bring anything positive here uh, down the stretch a little bit. Yeah, for me, it wasn't even like the cost. Like I I'm indifferent about a fifth round pick. Yeah, we found some gems there, yeah. Kaprizov. Justin, you mentioned Novak, um, Servak Petrovsky, who they drafted last year, is looking like a great pick there as well. Um, I mean, those options are there. You have a good scouting department. You can find talent. But Zeke, to your point, like, is it likely you find talent there? No. For me, it's just I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it is it worth you know scratching a Connor Dewar, a Brandon Duhame, and Mason Shaw for? Ryan Reeves, who's going to play no special teams, maybe see six minutes of 5v5 ice time a night, might spend five minutes in the penalty box, might take a stupid lazy penalty in the offensive zone by tripping a guy um, after he misses a hit on him, like, which happened in his first game, by the way. Um, like, I, I that, that's what it was for me. It's like, what's the opportunity cost of playing Reeves over somebody else? Because if you have, you know, Steele, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, then you have the grief line, then you have Boldy, Goudreau, Duheim. Shaw, um, did I say Dewar? Um, and then Hart when he comes back, like who, who, which of those guys are you taking out? And I don't know they all just seem like they bring more value to me. But I guess we'll see. Like I feel like you could go back to the trade deadline last year after they acquired Nick Delorier, and we said all this same shit. Um, oh, he's gonna he's gonna make the team bigger. He's gonna make it harder to play against. He's gonna fight guys. And like. Yeah, that held true for like 10 regular season games. We put him in the playoffs and he got caved in. There was no fights. He was hardly on the ice. Like, it, it just didn't work out. So, to me, like, it was just like we've been down this road before. We've seen what this does and it's not much, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I guess I'm willing to see it play out. It's not still not a move that I love. And I, judging by Twitter reactions, it seems like it's a 50 50 split. Like, people that are, you know, don't like well, me that don't like it and others sense. that are like you know there's 25 person be like yeah this is awesome and then 25 are like yeah let's, let's let it play out those are those are the people who say that fighting is why they watch the game yeah so you know just shout out to all those people on twitter i know they love me i mean maybe the one area it does make sense is if you get in a situation again where you are down a greenway a felino and a duhame and your lineup does get smaller quickly right yeah. then you throw them in there you put a guy. That's a guy you can put with Eck because of a physical line. Maybe from that standpoint, I get it. But yeah. if he ends up being more than the thirteenth forward when healthy, that's where I'll take major issue with it. So we'll have to wait till they're healthy again and see how that plays out. But yeah, yeah so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I, I I guess I doubt that he would be in there over a lot of those guys. Yeah. Uh, just based, I mean, you know, maybe they're not the same, but it just seems it's just based off logic that, like you just said that. But you know, we'll see. Well, then the other big piece of significant news that kind of happened last week, something that seemed the writing was on the wall for with four straight healthy scratches. Um, Mm -hmm. And, Justin, we talked about this a little bit in the prospect update. Marco Rossi was reassigned to the Iowa Wild. Um, And then, like you said, um, a goal and two assists in his first period down there, a three-point game in his first AHL game, um, tripling his point total from the first whatever 16 or so games he played in the NHL. So... Um, you know, it was a move <laughs> felt like it was a little overdue. Um, you know, it's, it's hard being a 21 year old rookie in the NHL. Um, there's a tweet somewhere back on my timeline. Um, and I don't know if I can find it right now, but basically it was someone that highlighted like all of the players from Rossi's birth year, I think, or maybe his draft year that are like have struggled to crack NHL lineups. And it was like a lot of good names, a lot of good players. Like the NHL is, 
not everyone can come in and be Matt Boldy or, you know, a Jack, like, even, like, even these guys like Jack Coos has came in, he had a really bad first year. Like, it's an adjustment. And to me, part of the problem, and, you know, I've been critical of Dean Nevis in the past, but I think part of the problem is I felt like Dean Nevison might have been putting too much pressure on Marco Rossi. Um, it felt like every time, like, and I think w- w- this all starts when game three of the season, Marco Rossi is healthy scratched, right? Dean Evison is old. There's something there that he did that I didn't like. Now he's going to go on the bench. And I think as a young player, that just ruins your confidence because now you're gripping your stick tighter. You're trying not to make mistakes. We saw it in the Bruins game. He overpassed on the power play with Jared Spurgeon. Um, like not wanting to take that shot, take that initiative because you're afraid of screwing up, overstepping the veterans. And I think it becomes so mental at that point. And I think scratching him that early was a mistake. Um, and I think that confidence from that point on was probably just, he felt like he was probably walking on eggshells a little bit with, hey, if I make a mistake, I'm not going to see the ice for the rest of the game. And I can't play my game if I'm you know, afraid of making mistakes. In my mind, if you're going to have a guy like that in the lineup, you got to let him make mistakes. You got to coach him through it. You know, go back on the bench, watch the tape, coach him through that, put him back out there again, have him learn from it, or do what they finally did um, and get him down to Iowa, let him play all situations, build that confidence back. So that was kind of my thoughts on the whole thing. Um, I'm glad he's down there now. Hopefully, you know, a couple weeks down there, get that confidence back and they can bring him back up at some point. But um, I do anticipate he'll be back up here maybe after the new year, Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think they handle them totally well. Um, we also have to remember that, uh, you know, guys like Eck went through the same thing where, you know, is he going to pan out? Uh, we should just trade him type things. You know, players like Mikko Rantanen went went through this, you know, get Slav and Perry started their careers off on the fourth line. The uh, all-time leader yeah. in points for the Minnesota Wild went through this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Granlin went through this too. Coyle, Zucker, Greenway. Yeah. It's happened to pretty much everybody. Going from the OHL to the AHL is a step. And then AHL to NHL is a whole Addison last year and the year before that, right? Up and down. Yeah. And he'll find it. He just, it wasn't the right time. I mean, he lost his confidence, it looks like. And he's going to pick it right back up in Iowa, especially if he continues to play like he did last night. It's just part of the process and, and he's going to be a great player. We just got to get him there and, and, and uh, develop him the right way. And he will be back up this year. Uh, I guarantee it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. this stint is good for him in Iowa. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm, it's kind of tough because I mean, like you mentioned, Brett, uh, you know, with his, uh, I think he's this on Twitter, but a lot of people did with his, you know, with shooting the puck and just stuff like that being a, sign of confidence being low. I mean, there was that one game in Montreal on the power play where he ripped two uh, shots from kind of at the dot on the power play. And Almost was, exactly where he scored from yeah. in the game last, last night, night for Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was he had a couple, two or three games there where he actually did look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, even the team has said, everyone knows he was never, uh, you know, his own end or anything like that was never the issue. You know, I guess you could say maybe the only uh, issue there was being a little getting – you know, maybe not not weak isn't the right word, but not being as strong on pucks or in you know on the other team as you know you kind of need to be in the NHL. And you know, like you guys said, development taking long. You can remember uh, Mikhail Granlin being like that. You know, when he was a twenty year old, you know, basically getting tossed around out there because of his size, just you know, not really be able to affect the game as much. But you know, I, and like I said, just learning to play at the NHL with less time, less space, and all that obviously does take time. So. You know, I don't know. It's that it obviously wasn't probably the right decision to scratch him that early or, you know, sit him for a week like they did. But, uh, you know, I guess at the same time, not ready to start like, you know, a lot of people who uh, I did see some comments going, you know, because they it was reported that he wasn't happy about getting sent down. It's like, well, are you you know, are you going to damage the relationship? It's like, well, who would be happy getting sent to the minors from the NHL? No one would. That's right. you know, that's what you uh you know, you know, you'd, you'd expect him to not be happy. Like I said, no one wants to be sitting on the bench, but you could see last night, like Justin mentioned, three points first period. Um, you know, pretty much as we've seen in the past, you know, you've got to imagine that felt great. And, uh, you know, like Bruce has said, seven, eight games is not very long. So hopefully he'll be back, uh, come back. And, hey, if he's got the confidence back, who knows? 
Uh, you would hope they would give him a, a chance in the top six right away when he gets back. Then he's playing good rather than go back to the same old and, uh, you know, get some groove going. Cause I don't think they're stupid. I think they know how important he is, you know, to their team this year. And, you know, for many years mm-hmm. before, obviously since, you know, they, they even talked about it uh, with philosophy. So I don't, I don't think they're stupid. I think, you know, I think he will be given a chance eventually, but so which hopefully soon, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's just good. It's good. He's finally down playing instead of sitting on the bench uh, with like he had been for a week. Um, but, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he's back and uh, looks a lot better soon because uh, it could that could be a really good boost here coming into the new year. Like you mentioned, Brett, to provide a little more scoring, a little more uh, yep. punch at the center position than they have. Yeah. And I think another thing to look at, too, um, is you know, sometimes the hardest part for rookies is developing the defensive game. And he's got that down already. Like he was, he was <laughs> fine in his own zone. Yeah. You know, he, I think he was doing okay on faceoffs. Like some of that stuff that can be harder for other players. You know, we saw Kirill Kaprizov's first year. He was not good in the defensive zone. He was turning pucks over left and right, you know, different skill sets, but like, you know, and, and there was stretches there where, you know, he set guys up on the back door. He had a couple chances where, you know, he just missed, you know, it, it wasn't a pure lack of, you know, he, like he wasn't doing anything. Chances were there. It's just the bounces weren't going his way, as was the case of the whole team. So I think this will be good for him. I think you'll see a different Marco Rossi next time he comes up. You know, we're seeing a guy like in Seattle, Shane Wright, a, you know, number four overall pick, granted a couple of years younger, but going through the same process too. He was in and out of the lineup, couldn't find confidence went back down and it's just been lighting the AHL on fire. Like this happens with good prospects everywhere. So, and if anyone knows what they're doing with prospects, I would trust it's Judd Brackett and Bill Guerin and, and the staff making those decisions. So. Right. And I, I kind of go back to Eck too with this, like, like with Rossi, you don't score a hundred whatever points in the OHL cause you're not a good offensive player. Right. Uh, Eck uh, starting in 2016, 17 when he was in the NHL the first year, which was only 15 games, but, Seven points from there, 16 points, 14, 29, 30. Then last year, it was kind of his offensive breakout with 49 points and 26 goals, and it's continued this year. So, you know, that defensive side, like you mentioned, he's already got that that might be harder to develop. It just Things it, it's going to come. It's <laughs> going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on um, from Rossi, um, there were some games played in the last couple of weeks here. Um, for the wild, let's, you know, I don't want to go through game by game here, but it's in the interest of time, but was there anything, um, I think since we last recorded, it was a six to four loss to Pittsburgh, a two to one win over Carolina, six, one win over Winnipeg, four, three loss to Toronto, and then a four, three win on Sunday over Arizona. Anything in any of those games you guys want to hit on recap, um, walk through felt like those two wins, Carolina and Winnipeg, were really good games. You know, Carolina was a very good team. And then I was at the Winnipeg game for my son's birthday. His aunt got us tickets uh, for my wife and I and my son and her. And that might be the best game they played all year after beating Carolina. So uh, it, it was just – it was a blast. It, that Winnipeg couldn't really do anything against us. It was just one of those games where it was like, this is the team from last year that we want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think, I think, uh, uh, you know, maybe the, the main takeaway from that game, too, and from the Carolina game was, you know, the play of Philip Gustafson, you know, allowing two goals in two games. Obviously, like, just you said, 6-1 to one against Winnipeg. It wasn't really close, but I can't remember who it was, that two-on-one that Blake Wheeler set up. I think Cole Perfetti on, then he reached out with his blocker, you know. That was a great save. <laughs> yeah, it was really good on a couple there, like on a power play or two that they had, you know, when it was 3-1, and they kind of had made a game of it for a little bit. And obviously, you know, against Carolina, he didn't face a ton of shots, but he was, you know, kept it at a one-goal game to the last few minutes, uh, you know, allowing the, the, the Wild to tie it. So I think that was, you know, probably for me at least, the, the biggest uh, takeaway, you know, obviously with the Flurry's injury there before that Pittsburgh game, having that 6-4 loss, you know, is kind of like, you know, are the goaltending issue to come back? And then, you know, it's a pretty resounding no the next two games. Uh, and he played very well and kind of in, in relief, uh, you know, for uh, Flower there. So that was really good to see, To uh, you know, along with the scoring, but really good to get a couple of really quality performances out of him against, like I mentioned last time, against a couple of really good teams. Uh, yeah. and, you know, this time. He's almost the anti-Kakinen in that, like, Capo Kakinen would have, like, 
every five games he'd have this one game where he looked just awesome. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this guy can be a starting goalie. And, like, it almost feels like Gustin's the opposite. Like, one of every five games he just looks horrendous. But then the other four games he looks fantastic. Like, he's had s- some really, really good stretches where he's played really well. Um, you know, whether it's been when Flurry's been injured or when he's needed to come in and play a couple games. Like, there's maybe three games this year where he's, you know, maybe not had his best game. I wouldn't necessarily say he lost in the game, but definitely maybe hurt their chances of winning. But, like, outside of those couple games, like, Deku, you said, he's been really good. Like, I think the big thing for him is it feels like in those games where he's dialed in, he makes those timely saves, I think, that we talked about that were so lacking through those first couple games this season. And when the team gets a lead and he comes up on a big save, and then it feels like, you know, three, four minutes later, the while they're going and pop another goal in, all of a sudden now it's a a three-goal lead instead of a a one-goal lead or something like that. So... Yeah, it's it's been great to see him settle in and and you know look more and more confident. You know, it, it we talked about this with Flurry last year. Like, it's not always easy coming in to a brand new team, learning how they operate. That adjust that adjustment period might take a little bit of time, and it really certainly feels like he's starting to settle in, find his rhythm. Um, reminds me a lot of Cam Talbot a lot of times in the way he plays too. Just that calming presence doesn't seem to get flustered too easily. Um, seems, you know, pretty solid at swallowing rebounds, those types of things. I think that sometimes in those chaotic games that can just help calm things down where, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury might, you know, do that with a windmill save or sprawling yeah. through the crease. Gustafson's going to make it look a little bit more simple. Um, and it's just stylistically how they're different, but it's yeah. been good. Like to, to go from where we were the first four games of the season, like, oh shit, we need a goalie to yeah. now, like, like, I don't know the exact numbers, but, like, it, the Wilds, like, goaltending probably since, you know, if you throw out four games, it's probably, like, a top ten group in the league, I would think. Yeah. And I want to go back to that comment where you said it seems like they has one good game and, like, four – or one bad game, four good games or whatnot. And we made a post on the prospects page. I had to find it. Uh, his last – over his last six games, uh, starting with Detroit, he had a 92 save percentage against Detroit, 96.9 save percent against Anaheim, 94.6 save percentage against San Jose. Here's his dud, 83.9 save percent versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Carolina, 95.2 save percent, and then 96.6 save percent against Winnipeg. So maybe it's Winnipeg. one out of six. Yep, one, one out, out of six. six. Yep. Even better, one, so, then one out of four. <laughs> yep. so. But it, it's, it's really uh, – you know, gives you more confidence, like you both mentioned. Uh, even in the beginning of the year, like our, our goaltending is kind of the spot that we're kind of most worried about, almost. And uh, they've kind of shored that up in our minds a little bit here. Yeah, and I think the other thing we'd be remiss um, if we didn't talk about um, that kind of goes beyond this stretch. But Kirill Kaprizov absolutely on fire right now. Um, points in nine, nine straight now, <laughs> right? I think if. Right, nine straight. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. What's the? Uh, I don't know what the breakdown is in that stretch. I, I feel like I should 14, know this. Fourteen points. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's he's really been heating up. Um, I think the the nice part is we we've seen a mix now of you know some even strength goals, some power play goals. Um, you know, there there's seemingly those shifts where he just completely takes over and changes a game or back. Um, you know, we were we were on the we were on the cusp of you know him and Zuccarello being split up, and it feels like since that threat was kind of made, like he's figured it out. Um, and to me, I think a big part of that has been the addition of Sam Steele to that line. Um, in a lot of the same ways that made Ryan Hartman work there last year, and it, I I said this as soon as they put Freddie Goudreau on that line beginning of the year, Freddie Goudreau mm-hmm. won't work because he doesn't shoot the puck. No, you know. And I, I think there are times where these guys start to overpass because they know if I pass to Freddie in the slot, he's going to pass right back to me. So I'd have passed to him when I can pass to Zuki who might shoot. But now it's like, oh, if I find Sam Steele, he might rip one. There, there was a, I think it was the game in Arizona. Like They had a zone rush, and I think Kaprizov like, hit him, and Sam Steele took a one-timer from the top of the circles. Like It wasn't you know necessarily a high-danger shot, but he put it on net. Um, and like I'm, I'm not saying Sam Steele is necessarily the solution there, but I think he's helped kind of – help those guys kind of get their rhythm back, like know that they're going to have someone that can shoot. I think just plays that more north-south game. Um, and I think he's looked solid there, and I think it's helped, you know, Kaprizov find his game too. So it was a nice adjustment, one that I was kind of waiting for. I thought Steele earned a look in the top nine, top six, after his a solid preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's taken advantage of that nicely, and I would imagine maybe until Hartman returns, which I still don't know if we have a timeline on that. I, 
I would think he'll kind of maintain um, that spot for the time being. Yeah, maybe this is kind of what Anaheim was waiting on that we're getting. Um, you know, it's great to see him. Uh, by the way, the breakdown in the nine games is five goals, nine assists. Uh, good memory, Zeke. What's that? I said good memory, Zeke. <laughs> yep, he's 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 spot on. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's it, it's just it, I have no other words than it. it's it's awesome. Like he's he's so good, and then that I don't know if you guys read that story by Joe Smith today, but yeah, that was just so good. Like just reading about uh, like what he's been unbelievable, of, and and just maybe some fan bases are still maybe underrating him and like not not totally seeing who he is, but. Um, Maybe not, but he's just fun. I don't have anything else other than that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we've said the same thing, you know, every couple of weeks for basically two years now, you know, about how good he is. But when I mean, you look to it as stats, he's basically good the last two weeks in that stretch for like six shots a game, pretty much at the very least. And obviously, you know, everyone knows the, uh, you know, they talked about in that in that article that you mentioned that Joe Smith did, you know, about his skating and just, you know how, how good he is. How it's hard. Remember to when exactly know Kirill Kaprizov's knock was his skating? Yeah, well, and I was yeah. um, like, I was like, ah, I think he'll be fine. He doesn't need straight line speed. He's got edge That's, work. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, everyone knows. Just if you, when you got those edges and can change, you know, spots on a dime, turn around on a dime. You know, it doesn't matter as fast. It's just the deception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, yeah, but no, he's been he's been awesome, and uh, you know, I mean, he's obviously. You know, it's kind of going to have to be at least of right now with the you know kind of less amount of scoring this team has, but and obviously right now he's pretty much lived up to it, uh, like he always does. So yeah, no, it, it's it's been uh, been really good to see the last couple of weeks because I don't think he'd scored and it was like what like five or six games before that since that game in Anaheim. So uh, it, it had been a while, and uh, it was just kind of good to see it. Uh, you know, explode here the last couple of weeks. And he went two curious. games before. Sorry, Zeke. He went two games before that without scoring. He had two goals against oh. Montreal, and then basically three of the four games before oh. that, he didn't score. But yeah, no, it's been great. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was done. Had it right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, he's on pace for fifty-one goals and one hundred and five points. I think, if my math is correct. So, um, right back to his old self. So. Um, been great to see and you know I think you saw that little bit of that scoring drought pop up and then I think it ended in Ari- did he score in Arizona or did he just have assists he had one goal to assist yeah, so I think he Arizona. scored now in three straight mm-hmm. yep. um, right. after kind of, I think it went like five or something games without a goal um, yeah. Matt Boley another guy who's been kind of coming on as late I think he's got goals in three straight um, nice to see him kind of finally starting to bounce back. Seemed like he was maybe gripping the stick a little bit. Um, you know, he's much like we saw with Kevin Fiala last year. It's, he's seemingly had kind of this revolving door of line mates through the whole year. He was with Eck. He's been with Goudreau. He's been with Rossi. He's been with Shaw. He's been with Dewar. He's been with Duhame, I think, at one point. Like, he's, I think he's basically played on every line except with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like, he's taken some shifts with those two as well. Um but it's nice to see him maybe find his groove again. I think you, you heard him, you know, you get in your head a little bit. These days off have been helpful for him just to kind of clear his mind. And you know, when the goals start going in, you start worrying less. So, um, but nice to see him, you know, find his groove again too because when it comes to secondary scoring, I think he's he's the next man up that the Wild are looking at. Right. And, and he's also only in his second year, which he is a different player than, like, say, Rossi. But, I mean, both good, really good players, but, you know, these they're going to go through these ups and downs every season. I mean, it's a long season, 82 games. Um, you know, they, these goal scorers, these point getters, they find their groove, and then they, they stay in it for a while. It's just kind of the ebbs and flows of the season, and, and it's good to see them both hitting their uh, flows here. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, Justin, like you just mentioned. It's kind of hard to – you know, you got to remember sometimes, because you alluded to that he's still 21, basically, and uh, – you, know, you don't think back because he's been so good since he entered the league last year that you would think he's like 24, 25, and, yeah. you know, the veteran NHL player, the way he's scored. So, you know, he just – He's, he's leaned on that. too, right? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. The situations yeah. he plays in, the matchups he he's, gets, like the plays he makes. Like I have to constantly remind myself when Matt Boldy goes through Colter's like, oh, yeah, this guy's like turned 21 in like March last year. And he's – 
He's yeah. on a 35 goal pace with all that. Yeah, despite all that, right? Like he he's gonna make so much fucking money in like five years. It's, like, <laughs> I think I told someone on Twitter like if I could go to Vegas and put a bet like mm-hmm. as long as he takes a bridge deal to like get out of the buyouts, his next contract is over 10 million dollars. Like I would put a lot of money on that happening. Um, and Caprizos will be like 13, 14, and the Wild will pay both of those guys whatever the frick they want. Um, anyway, tangent. Eight. Um, the other player I want to talk about here, and I, I did a little two tweet thread on him yesterday, um, that I think you know maybe kind of lost, and you know some of the really solid play from Philip mm-hmm. Gustafson, Matt Bowley's goal streak, Crow Caprizos point streak. Jewel Erickson Eck has been phenomenal lately. Um, in that same nine-game points streak that Kro Kaprizov is on, Jewel Eriksson Ek, two goals, six assists, eight points, a plus-three rating, 16 hits, fifty-one and a, um, over 51.5% in the face-off dot. Think of the last three games, that number might be closer to like 60 to 70%. Um, Five-on-five driving play with a 57.4% Corsi 4, um, controlling 60.5% of the expected goals for, and 70 point nine percent of the high danger chances um and that's been you know with ryan reeves on his line with matt Boley on his line um i think i talked about this with i think it was joseph no joseph noriak i think on twitter he and i discussed this like i think something we saw even beginning of this year end of last year was if jewel erickson didn't have the grief squad if he didn't have felino and greenway he seemed to struggle and the last nine games he hasn't had that and he has thrived um, we're seeing him all over in the power play. We're seeing him, you know, the assists are racking up. He's, uh, right now on a, I think it's a 20, uh, was it 22 goal, 42 assists, 64 point pace. Mm-hmm. I believe the assists would shatter a career high. The goals would be come in under what he was at last year. Um, but the individual expected goals are for sure there with all the chances he gets out front. But I think we're seeing that passing element develop for him. Um, he's been terrific on the power play, still playing well on the dot. And on top mm-hmm. of that, like the, the defensive game hasn't dipped. It's just another year. I, I think he, a little bit of a slow start for Eck, but I mean, this last month or so, like, and no one's already talked, but he's really come on. And like, you know, I, I, I think for me, it's a little more, you know, obvious because I'm doing the, the PCS for all these games. Yeah. And it's constantly like, I always look at the top three forwards, like top two D. And like, it seems like every single game, yeah, it's Kaprizov. And then it always is seeming like it's Jewel Erickson Eck. Like, there's maybe, like, one bad game in there. Like, mm-hmm. other than that, like, he's just been so, so good. I just wanted to bring to attention, like, just sometimes you don't realize it until you look in the numbers a little bit, but Erickson Eck has been so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you mentioned, he's just the kind of guy that, you know, you know even when he is scoring a lot, you, people are just never going to talk about, uh, obviously, because he's not necessarily flashy and whatnot. Uh, you know, typical cliche in that sense. But, yeah, no, he has been – you know, pretty much as good as he's come to expect him to be, like you said, all-around game, uh, you know, scoring, being a pain in the ass in front of the net, uh, you know, being good on the forecheck and all that, like you said. And, and obviously, as you mentioned, the big part was being good without, you know, the grief line. As you said, it's probably the biggest development there that, you know, it's not just to completely they all depend on each other to be good, that, yes, you know, they can – they are good, really good individually, and and obviously, I mean, you know, the other thing that you mentioned with you know being better in the face-off circle, almost up near fifty percent. You know, maybe sometimes a little bit overrated, but you know, when you consider that that's kind of you know his average career has been like 44, 45. It's kind of gotten better here over the last couple of years. Too, that's uh, you know encouraging. Maybe it's just a sign of you know we're talking about development. Maybe just uh, guys tell some of these guys continue to develop till you know they're into their primes. I mean, yep. he's twenty five and. You know, there's, you know, you know, the, the guys like, you know, all the greats like Crosby doing is practicing his backhand. All that. I mean, they all talk about practicing even when, as they get older. And I mean, I think that's just, uh, you know, I think he's just a, maybe a guy who's just developing a lot of his game as he gets older and coming more of a, you know, offensive player and, and all around as well. Yeah. And I want to bring up to the other piece of that tweet. So those five on five numbers, um, you know, 57 percent of the shots 60 percent of the expected goals 70 percent of the high danger chances that was well faced up against these are some of the lions players um san jose that was carlson hurdle and meyer pittsburgh it was malkin zucker and rust winnipeg it was dubois and connor toronto it was mm-hmm. matthews bunting nylander arizona it was keller and schmaltz 
Um, like he was getting maybe the Pittsburgh side because he wasn't getting the Crosby line, but I would argue Malkin, Zucker, Rust is a is a top line on two thirds of the teams in the league probably. Like, yeah. and he was producing and shutting down those players and those names at five on five for the most part. Like, and I think when you're when your second third line guy can do that. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that a guy like Kirill Kaprizov all of a sudden starts putting up a point streak because he's, you know, being able to feast on those other lines, right? Um, which I think was kind of missing beginning of the year. It felt like, you know, even I think like the third or fourth game of the season against Colorado, it was consistently the Kaprizov line that was out against the McKinnon line, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's trading chances, and now I think they've been able to get away from that a little bit. I think we've seen, you know, a Jonas Brodeen, Jared Spurgeon really finding their game again. We can talk about Brodeen here in a minute, but I think that's another big piece um, of that too. Is just who he's doing it against. It, it's not cupcakes, um, and those are the th- those are the players he had the most five on five ice time against in each of those games. That was like some arbitrary players I I pulled. So seems to be uh, just one of the most consistent one of the most consistent players we have. Uh, Zeke talked about the development. I'm just basically going to touch on basically what you guys said, but to watch him become like an all like 200 foot player, but mostly defensive to go from defensive, like on the penalty kill. And then last year adding the offense and this year putting the power play to it and then getting better on faceoffs. It's just, it's great to see him put it all together and, and just, you know, make his contract look like even more of a steal. Yeah. I mean, it'll be hard because priest, Patrice Bergeron still exists, and the Bruins are having another really good year. Um, but you know, I, I th- this feels like if he if he finishes, I looked again, it's twenty three goals, forty three says sixty six points, um, is what his current pace is. If that maintains, um, and he maintains the defensive numbers, you know, Selkie, we, we've talked about it's a, it can be a reputation award. He's crept mm-hmm. up ballots in the past years. I think if he can put up north of sixty points this year. Um, I think he's got a legitimate shot of – I don't think he'll win it, like I said, because Patrice Bergeron exists. Um, I think Rupe Hintz is having a really good year in Dallas um, with um, Jason Robertson. Um, so he'll, he'll probably be in the mix as well. But, like, Eck, I think, you know, top top three, um, you know, that recognition could be coming his way as well. So, um, yeah, so I want to talk about Eck. Um, the last kind of thing I want to talk about, I, I just alluded to this, you know, a little bit ago – um, we learned yesterday, I think, or two days ago, um, Jonas Brodeen out um, for the interim with a lower body injury. I think it was. I don't know. He's out with an injury. Um, won't be playing Thursday, tomorrow, today, when you're listening to this probably, against the Oilers. Um, big loss for this team, um, I think. You know, you look at what they've had to do on defense in his absence, and that's been putting um, Matt Dumba and Alex Goligoski on the ice together, which has been abysmal. Um, those two have not been good. Um, another wild without Brodeen here. Um, you know, a, a pretty significant loss, especially heading into tomorrow um, against Connor McDavid. Um since McDavid came in the league in 2015, Jonas Brodin has played about 120 minutes against McDavid at five on five. Um, the Wild have outscored him 14 to five um, when Brodin is on the ice, and they—I don't know what that is without him, but I guarantee you, it's probably not a plus nine goal differential. Um, so that's going to be a big loss, I think, not only tomorrow against two of the best players in the world and McDavid and Drysaitel, but however long this this kind of lingers with you know some really good teams on the schedule coming up, including uh, the division leading Dallas stars. Yeah. I mean, you said it, <laughs> you said it basically all that needs to be said. He's, he's going to be missed and uh, our best defensive defenseman, maybe one of the best in the NHL. Uh, such a good skater, you know, so underrated. It's, it's going to be tough to a tough task against McDavid and dry side on company tomorrow night. Um, we got Anaheim after that, and then Dallas, which will be another tough one. Hopefully, he doesn't miss an extended amount of time because you know, he's he's one of our best players. So, uh, certainly hate to see the lower body injury, but uh, you know it's going to be a next man up. And uh, uh, again, hopefully, he's not out for for too long here. It's going to help you miss big time. Yeah, I mean, especially since the fact that you know, everyone knows that he kind of had a rough start to the year. 
um, you know, on his own, wasn't really a great in his own end or really doing anything offensively. And I think he'd kind of started to string together a few really good games before he got hurt, before that kind of looking more consistently like him, his old self, where he's, you know, great skater, basically, as everyone knows, impossible to for the team to score while he's on the ice against. So, yeah, no, it's a, you know, not much more to add. It would just be copying, but it's obviously, you know, a huge loss, especially against a high skating team like Edmonton, who, you know, that is their identity, that top couple lines, you know, they, they, they score, they go fast and go heavy. So, you know, we'll just have to uh, obviously, you know, hope for the best. I wonder, you know, don't know exactly, remember what their D pairs were last game, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm assuming they'll try it. Merrill, yeah. Addison, Goligoski, Dumba. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm assuming they'll try to find some sort of matchup for those guys, but yeah. don't really, guess, really see it there with any of them. But, you know, hopefully they can make it work. Yeah, we are at home, so we'll have to match up the Eck line with that line. And, and yeah, or uh, at least maybe try to get Spurgeon out there if he can get yeah. the Eck line. But, yeah. Um, hopefully he rests up soon because the Wild play McDavid three times in the next 12 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at this. <laughs> Not a good time for they, me to go. <laughs> yeah, they play them tomorrow, which will be today by the time you're listening, a week from Friday, um, and then again on Monday, December 12th, um, which is a week from Monday. So... Edmonton in the way, Edmonton, McDavid, Dreisaitl three times in the next 12 games without Jonas Brodeen could be tough. Um, Joel Erickson, it is your time to shine, baby. Um, and Kirill Kaprizov to show the world who the better 97 is. I will say, um, you know, as we kind of look ahead to these games, you know, Edmonton, like as I mentioned, three times in the next 12 days, um, a big key for the wild in those games is going to be staying out of the box. Um, I believe Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter has been documenting this kind of at nauseum this season about um, mm-hmm. McDavid and Drysaddle's 5v5 scoring. Um, it's, like, pretty, like, I don't think pedestrian is the right word, but, like, it's very much more like a, maybe like a point-per-game situation. Like, it, they're not blowing out the rest of the league in 5v5 scoring where their two are doing the damage is heavy on the power play. Um, the Wilds penalty kill has been better um over the past month but i think a huge key especially without brodeen um is going to be for them to stay out of the box keep that matchup at five on five justin is to especially at home when you can determine the matchups getting the line out there getting spurgeon middleton out there um i think that's going to be a huge key in that game um i believe tomorrow um as well i think the oilers are playing right now um so they'll be you know the wild will be coming off a a basically a four-day break edmonton's coming on a back-to-back which is kind of effed up um, they'll be getting Jack Campbell, um, and Net, who I believe by goal save above expected is like bottom ten in the league right now amongst like seventy-seven um, goaltenders. Um, because I believe Stuart Skinner, who's been like top ten, I think goal save above expected is playing tonight. Um, so there's going to be opportunities there, I think, to you know if you stay out of the box and you take advantage of a pretty weak blue line and a pretty weak bottom six, um, group at Edmonton, you know, for that Wild's depth, um, and special teams to really shine through tomorrow. Um, I think that's that's the two keys that I'm I'm really gonna be looking for. We need to come in and play them like we played Winnipeg. I think that was the first game where Brodian was out, but yeah, that was I was like <laughs> I was at the game and I was like I don't know why I just didn't it didn't come to me. I was like, I didn't see Brodian out there at all. I was I forgot he got injured and I was like, We looked pretty damn good without him out there. But uh yeah, like you said, they're playing right now against the Blackhawks, so you know. Still back to back, but uh yeah, it's. We'll, we'll see how the matchups play out tomorrow night. Well, I mean, it's just it's just like everything else now. This, uh, you know, this obviously you can score several goals any game. Things happen, but you know, obviously they can't. The way they are structured right now, with their you know kind of offensively at least being a little top heavy, you know, they can't really get into any running matches like uh, you know Seattle, LA last night, nine to eight, or even like oh, a four. Dude, like you can't get anything even close to that because it'd just be hard to keep up. So, yeah, no, that's a, a that's a you know that's a great point that uh, you know especially considering, but you know the good thing like you mentioned is that's progressively gotten better. Uh, the PK has over the last since the beginning of the season, so hopefully that'll uh, keep going that way. Yeah, and then also in the docket, likely before our next recording here, um, the Anaheim Ducks, who you know one of the worst mm-hmm. defensive teams in hockey, we saw the Wild hang five goals on them i think the last time they met um i don't think a whole lot's improved there the that it's a one o'clock game on saturday then a two o'clock game on sunday 
um, against the Dallas Stars, um, who I believe are currently leading the division. Jason Robertson is on like an absolute freaking bender right now um, in goal scoring. Um, so that'll be fun to have that Kaprizov Robertson matchup. Um, thing with Dallas, they're a one line team, but that one line is really mm-hmm. fucking good. Um, and then um, two days off, and then a uh, a road game in Calgary that actually starts at seven p.m. Which is Strange. odd, but I'm not going to yep. complain. We will take that. <laughs> um, we'll take that. So those four games likely before uh, we're back with you um, next Thursday. But, you know, um, some good teams in there. Edmonton, Dallas, some beatable teams, Anaheim, Calgary. Um, so, you know, Wild going to be without Brodeen. But, you know, we're looking at maybe getting the Grease squad back. You have Kaprizov heating up. You got Boldy heating up. Um, you have Mark Andre Fleury back and healthy. You got Philip Gustafson there if you need him. Like there's, there's reasons to be positive. And I think you know we talked about I think coming out of the last show, how important this particular stretch of games is going to be mm-hmm. against these really good teams. And I think so far, so good. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, I think they're what three and two so far on their seven game homestand right now. So, you know, it would be nice to, you know, hopefully you know, two games, it would be great to, you know, win both those games and go back out on the road, you know, with kind of a good feeling going. And I mean, no, we said it, you know, I said it pretty much every week, I think on this show, but, you know, it would be nice to win, you know, I don't have to go on any long winning streaks, but it'd be nice to be start stringing together like three, four wins in a row or something just to have a little sustained success rather than the, you know, the win to lose one, go like going two, one and one or, or whatnot, just to, get that good feeling going a little while, you know, and said where they have been, where it's been kind of, you know, we talked about earlier, they might win two games, then they have a bit of a stinker there and then come back out. So it would just be good to get some, you know, momentum going here uh, into the end of the year. Cause uh, you know, haven't really seemingly, despite having some good, really good games, like you mentioned, we've talked about with Justin, uh, the Winnipeg game, haven't really had, you know, that hasn't only, that's usually been a one-off where they've played really well. So it'd be good to, be good to see them play to their identity and their potential for a little bit longer of a stretch. Yes. Right. We, I was going to say, we just saw them play this tough stretch, but the whole month of December, mostly the month of December is very winnable games. So mm-hmm. a good month to, you know, get, get feeling good and, 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 you know, see, you know, Thanksgiving is usually a good point to see where you're at, but this month could, you know, really spring us even further. Yeah, I mean, you look at it right now, there's four wins between the Wild and the Winnipeg Jets. Dallas has 13 wins, Colorado 12, Nashville 10, St. Louis 11, Minnesota 10. Like, it's just, there's six teams in the mix right now. Like, the Wild are by no means out of this. I think mm-hmm. Zikulutu, they go and they string, you know, three, four wins together. And, you know, they're, they're right back in things here. So yeah. um, some big games again, but hopefully they can kind of keep things rolling and, uh, you know, string some wins together here. So um, any uh, any final thoughts here before we uh, wrap up? I know. Just uh, enjoy this next week. I got a bunch of games that I can win. And I also wanted to, uh, you know, wish not wild related, but wish Chris Latang some uh, yeah. good health. He apparently had a stroke today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the second one, but yep. I just want to wish him well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. he- yeah, no, not, not really much for me. Uh, you know, just other than like we mentioned off the top, uh, as Brett talked about with Spotify rap, just again, thanks everyone uh, for listening. Obviously, you know, there isn't any show without all of you out there listening. So uh, again, really appreciate it for, you all sticking with us uh, here these last couple of years and uh, we'll be keep going doing this for a while. So thank you. Yeah. No final thoughts for me other than Marco Rossi is going to be fine. So don't worry about it. Yep. Uh, Justin, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all your work? You can find me at DE's 2004. You can find me at Caprice C with the Caprice of countdown and you can find me at MNW prospects with MNW young guns. Zeke. Oh, you can find me on Twitter as usual at Zeke Boyat, uh, with the capital Z, capital B, for my thoughts on wild hockey, et cetera, anything else. Uh, and if you want to connect with me, you can find me there. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Falkhorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Edmonton, Anaheim, Dallas, and Calgary on the docket for the wild these next week or so. 
We'll be back with you Thursday next week. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.